expanding the Nerdosphere, talking about everything you want to hear. From comics to cosplay, from the cinematic universe to fan films, and everything in between. It's time to get down and nerdy. Here are your hosts, James Witham and Nick Pataglia. You found episode 48 of Down and Nerdy, and I think that when it comes to Shades of Grey, since I'm 10 years older, I think that I carry the load on that one. <laughs> yeah, you do, and your wife likes it very, very much, too. That's right. It's good for me. I'm James Witham <laughs> alongside. Nick Battaglia, the Merkel Corner. Yeah, you're like her, kind of like her nerdy Sean Connery. Oh, she that's exactly how she would put it, too. Because she, for some reason, she's got a thing for Sean Connery, for Harrison Ford, and I'm like, so I can get older, and it's okay. So that, <laughs> right. that works out for me, because I plan on getting older. <laughs> well, you mentioned the whole Fifty Shades thing, so, and you told me, via t- you know, we were talking earlier in the week, you said that for Valentine's Day, you and the missus are going to go see Fifty Shades of Grey. I'm sorry for you, sir. You know, it's really not that bad. Um, Part of me... I, I, I would never read the book in a million years. Let's just get no. that out of the way right now. But uh, part of me j- is just so curious to see what the big deal is. Not because it's popular, but because I just want to see what the fuss is all about. You well, know? well, the thing is, and I, I mean, I'm, I don't want to go on like a political tangent here or whatever, but I'm not a fan of Fifty Shades of Grey because I don't like the kind of relationship that's showcased in it. Not, you know, because it's more of a. Uh, uh, Whereas the movie, look at the, if you want to watch a movie that's kind of like that's better than Fifty Shades, but kind of resembles the same thing, watch The Secretary because it has more of a how would you say a respectful um, showcase of a, of a relationship, a healthier relationship. Whereas Fifty Shades of Grey is not a healthy relationship by any standards. You have a lot of people in the BDSM community who are pissed about it because it showcases that it's not like the, it's very unhealthy when, and stuff like that. And there's even parts of the book. Um, I haven't read it, but there's parts of the book where you thumb through it, you see some of the passages, and it's very dominating in terms of, you know, she says no, but he keeps on going. It's kind of stuff like that, and that's something I'm very uncomfortable with. It's so. it's weird because, and I, I'm not by, I'm by no means my, you know, judging people who do this because, hey, more power to you. Every no. time I hear the words BDSM community, I always laugh because, right. like, there is one. And I find that funny for some reason. But no, like I said, I really know nothing about it. I re- I honestly do not. And I, I do know that, you know, people are upset about it for, for the reasons that you just said. There's some that are. Um, I'm just very curious to see how they portray it in this movie now. Because right. if that's the case, is that something that's going to be part of the movie? Is that something that they're going to play down? I don't know. So I'm, I'm kind of going into this with fresh eyes. I'm not expecting this to be Citizen Kane no, by but, any stretch of the imagination. Well, the thing with Citizen Kane was when it was out in theaters, it was ridiculed and hated and people didn't like it and it ended up being one of the most revered movies of all time. Right. I'm just not expecting this to be a cinematic masterpiece. Right, I'm, no, not, I'm not expecting to go in here and see Shawshank Redemption or something. You know? No. No. So I'm gonna just I'm gonna take it for what it's worth. I expect it to be you know pretty bad, but uh, you know she wants to see it. I doesn't matter to me. I'm fine with it. Yeah, let's go see Fifty Shades of Grey. Why not? And Andy Dufresne crawled through fifty football fields of paddles and chains. And really, how's it any different? <laughs> <laughs> Except uh, this is a this is going to be a figurative pipeline. By the way, speaking of, I mean, since we're on this topic, one of the memes we did for me Monday that I created was the Aquaman kind of thing where you don't, and it was said, you don't know that moment when you realize the safe word isn't dolphin safe. Yeah, that's, that was a good one. I like that. That was a good one. one. But no, it was just, it was of that 
that mindset though of you know I'm not gonna see it. I don't want to see it. Um, you know, it's just for those reasons. But I mean, I understand if people are gonna take it, they're wise or girls, women are gonna go see it, and that's I guess okay. But again, you gotta realize like the book's not really good. Um, I don't like what it really it stands for. The fact of the matter is, you have a community in the BDSM community that's pretty much, you know, saying this isn't what we do. This isn't what it's like, you know. So, like I said, if you want to watch something that's kind of similar to Fifty Shades of Grey, but much, much better, and the relationship's a lot more healthier, watch The Secretary. I'm just very curious to see what exactly they interpret when right. they do this, based on what I've seen about oh. that kind of stuff. It's very, it's going to be very interesting because I I can't imagine they won't downplay it a little bit. All I'm saying, though, uh, make sure that you hide your DC belt from your wife afterwards because nobody wants the Green Lantern symbol imprinted on their ass. No, definitely not. I mean, although, then then wouldn't people uh, beware my ass after that? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. I can tell you that it's certainly white enough to shine a light. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> I don't need to know about your ass, dude. Your boy, your boy doesn't get an all-over tan. I can tell you that right now. I don't care. That's, can we just move on for the love of God to what we did okay, this Okay, let's talk about Cody's ass instead. No! Oh. <laughs> no. Oh, God. That's the dark side of the moon, Lassie. <laughs> yeah, it really is darkest night. Uh, anyway, so going back to last Friday, James... Uh, no, the, the downloads are up again. You know, it's really good. Three straight weeks of 100 plus downloads. Which we got to thank you guys for that and for supporting us. And, you know, the streaming numbers are, are, have, been, have been great, you know, just listening on demand and then the, the downloads where you can just keep it and listen to it whenever you want, which I kind of appreciate more because, like, okay, you can stream it, listen to it once, and you're done. But if you're downloading it, it's on your hard drive. Yeah, and on Friday I walked around Lynn Haven Mall here in Virginia Beach and I had, you know, six coupons for, uh, you know, extra for $20 coupons for gaming for Dave and & Buster's. And I handed them out to people who were wearing nerd shirts and got a bunch of people. I gave them all away. I was there at 2.30 I arrived and then I left about 5 o'clock. Which that is pretty like, good because you, you met a lot of really cool people on the tattoo that you took a picture of. Wow. Yeah, yeah the big halo tattoo. It's on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash nerdy. Yeah, I met this couple. I saw the guy had a Call of Duty hoodie on. I'm like, oh, you know, it's a game. And then, you know, I told him who I was. just introduced. said, hey, this is what I'm doing. And uh, immediately his girlfriend said, you know, oh, I wish I wore my Zelda stuff with me today. And we just talked. She showed me the halo tattoo. And she said, I got a halo tattoo. And I was like, I'm like, is it like. You know, can you show it to me? It's not going to be, you know what I'm saying, inappropriate. Is it, is it in a sensitive area? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was on her shoulder. It was, it was, people want to know, it's the big boomstick, the big, you know, Warhammer type right. of a thing. And it was pretty awesome. Uh, so I took a picture of that. And, you know, I had a guy, um, I, I asked him a question. He got it right. I didn't know he was wearing a nerd shirt underneath. Afterwards, he takes the jacket off and he has his Donkey Kong shirt on underneath. And I'm like, Oh, that's awesome! Like it was you know, pretty. It was a good shirt for sure. But it was good because even if he had gotten the answer question wrong that I had asked him, he I'm like he would if he had taken you know once he took off the jacket, I've been like here you got it. Like either way, it's a win win for him. It's like that second chance on the Price Is Right where they say, wait a minute, now you've won your second chance to try and win the same prize. If there's a bullseye under here or something like that, or 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 kind of like how like you do the showcase where it's like if you get within a hundred dollars of this. Of both prizes, you get both prizes. Oh, that's epic when that happens. But they I actually, digress. Quick thing about prizes, right? They actually had the uh, 
guitarist, or I think it was the bassist for Killswitch Engage, and Price is Right, he actually won both showcases. Wow, that's un- that's unbelievable. That was I mean, because there's very few people that have ever done that, so yeah. that, that's pretty cool. Yeah, but no, I mean, that's, you know, my weekend just worked and stuff like that, you know, and oh, on Sunday, I was on uh, Tobias and Ivy's, I was a guest in the Black Bluster podcast, we talked about Long Lost Loves, and uh, we also talked about Chasing Amy, which was fun. Yeah, it sounded like that was a really good time. Well, uh, of course, you know, we'll have to check that out when that when that pops up. As far as my weekend went, um, it was kind of um, Pam had carpal tunnel surgery. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I had to hang around and make sure that took care of the baby and stuff because she had this big honking like wrap around her hand and wrist. <laughs> it looked like a giant claw. Yeah. So it's not like she could really do much. So it's I had to make sure like- that I that I, you know, helped out a little bit more than I usually would. It's kind of like when you watch like the NFL films, like the, the players from like the nineteen seventies who had those big clubs on their hands. The only thing that was missing was the giant bags of ice that they used to have. <laughs> yeah, right. I never understood how anybody could do that, but but that's what that's what I did. My mom came over and, and helped out a little bit as well. Which every time she holds Jameson, I swear he just passes right out. Yeah. No, I saw your mom on uh, on Tuesday actually, and we talked to her for a little bit, so it was pretty cool. Um, but no, it, yeah. I mean, I saw she. How's she doing, by the way? Is the, the everything okay? Is she got the she had the brace off yet, or? Yep, we've taken that. We've taken the big bandage off. She's still gonna wear one of those. You know those typical. You know those wrist braces you would wear anyway if you were. You know, like you see a lot of people in like typing pools have those yeah. wrist braces on. Yeah. So she's got to wear one of those for a couple weeks. Uh, she's going in for a follow up appointment, and the, the pain's getting better. Everything's starting to work its way back out. So the weird thing is you can't feel your you can't feel your fingers right away right and the, the weird thing was is that for her they were coming back one at a time oh wow so it was like her middle finger was the last one to come back <laughs> i said i said well how are you gonna drive right. you know without your middle finger and of course you know anything that i said that might have pissed her off wouldn't matter because she couldn't <laughs> give the time-honored seal of disapproval i remember back when, before jameson was born we had the the uh Baby shower that I went to, and we played those those pregnancy games. Where it was like oh, yeah. it was a guy. If you don't know, we, James's uh, the baby shower him and Pam had. We played these games um, that pretty much you know it was guys versus girls, but it was like okay, guys, you had to see how you know a woman walks to the bathroom pregnant. So we had to pull like a couch ball or, or mm-hmm. a nerf ball between our legs and walk to a bucket and drop it in there, and it was, mm-hmm. it was a lot of fun. But afterwards, Pam did something, um, and right and like one of the games, and like did it. And went right to James, just flipped them off, gave them double birds, and it was hilarious. Well, we had this running thing between us that I always said she would suck at charades. Oh, yeah, that's what it was. It was charades. And I was told that if we ever played charades, I'd wipe the floor with her. Well, as it turns out, it was a tie because nobody got one wrong. Yeah. And as far as, you know, time to guess stuff and stuff like that, it was pretty even. So she did very good, and I'd have her on my team doing charades anytime now. Oh yeah, charades are charades are really really fun. And by the way, speaking of baby, baby's got abs of steel now. He does. He's sitting up on his own and everything. We're taking flight lessons too. Where I'm holding <laughs> him up, I'm holding him up in the air, and he kicks his legs back Superman style and puts his hands out now. So we've got the we've got the nerd flight training going on. So we're it's progressing. We're not ready for the for the Justice League just yet, but no. we're getting there. So so if I ever come to your house again, if you ever invite me over again. Remember, it's been over a year. And I'm, 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 am I going to walk in and see your son flying around? I think so. He might be swinging from stuff for all I know. I mean, <laughs> he's he's starting to get a little bit mobile, and he's starting to to like swing his arms. He punched me right in the face the other day, <laughs> and I was like, "That hurts, dude." And he thinks it's funny too. Yeah, so that's 
Let's say people don't realize, people who haven't seen James as a kid, he's a big, he's like, what, six months? He's huge. Yeah, that's what everybody keeps telling us. He's a big baby. My wife always worried that he was going to be small. No, he's pretty big. <laughs> and my wife's like, I should know. I pushed the head out. Yeah, she she would definitely know. That's for sure. <laughs> but uh, no, he's just, he's getting so big and he's getting, you know, really vocal and stuff. I mean, I'm sure at some point he's going to wake up and you're going to hear him, ah, and stuff like that in the background. But Yeah. Uh, do you, now here's the thing. Now he's getting older. Do you kind of miss the days when he was like you, like a newborn, and kind of couldn't do? You know what I'm saying? Before it was all, uh, let me coo and talk and and kind of other, and I'm fighting sleep kind of a thing. Well, it's it's getting to the point now where it's you're starting to know more and more what he wants when he okay. wants it. So that's a little bit easier. But he did sleep more when he was a newborn. So that that was that was something that was a little bit more helpful. But no, it's just I know that there's going to be the days where we where we miss this part of it. But you know. When he cries and cries and cries and cries, you try everything and nothing works. Right. It's a little frustrating. So you, you kind of want to see the backside of that. But at the same time, you know, they're only this small for so long. So you want to hang on to it. It's, it's definitely if you're a parent, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's a double edged sword for sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, one of the things, too, is, you know, I was uh, I still have made my way over to Bob's over at Fantasy Escape to see him. But uh, I got to do it. I think on Monday I'm going to go and pick up my stuff. It's been a couple of weeks. Yeah, this this podcast, of course, we always put new shows up Friday at 1 o'clock. I'll probably go Friday. I'm going to drop off some flyers. There's going to be an exclusive chance for you to win a couple of those Dave & Buster's uh, gaming cards, Dave & Buster's Virginia Beach, the coupons. We'll have flyers up for exclusively for Fantasy Escape customers to, uh, to win those $20 gaming cards. So go see Bob for those. And, of course, we'll be talking about what we're reading coming up, which, of course, is always brought to you by Fantasy Escape Comics and Cards in Virginia Beach. And speaking of my son, who is going to grow up to have a vivid imagination, that's what our main topic is going to be about this week. Yeah, we're talking about imagination and why it's important because there was a couple of stories that came out uh, a few days ago, actually, that kind of upset us a little bit. Um, and it's kind of like... Uh, and to us, it's kind of felt like they were kind of pushing the kids' imagination aside. I think today, and it kind of we're going to talk about kind of society in a whole of how like uh, people kind of sometimes, mostly adults nowadays, can't really differentiate between uh, imagination and reality as far as what kids say now or what kids do. And that's going to come up. That's going to be a really good, interesting topic. Yeah, so we're looking forward to that. Plus, you know, we've got a couple comics that we're going to review. So it's what we're reading on the way next, down in Nerdy. Well, it's that time, boys and girls, nerd and nerdettes alike, where we get out those long boxes because it's time for what we're reading, presented, of course, by our fine friends over at Facescape Comics and Cards and Aragona Boulevard, Virginia Beach. Go see Bob. Check out his collection of comics and figures, and he's got some awesome stuff he's planned for the con in May. Uh, but, James, before we get to what we read, and I'll have you kick it off first, but... We have a uh, listener in the actual studio right now. Your son is actually enamored with a book of his own. Yes, and it's called What Puppy Am I? And yes. there's no author involved here. It's actually a book made out of cloth, <laughs> and he's very much enjoying it. As a matter of fact, right now he's on the page where it's trying to decide if he's a Jack Russell or a Scotty. And, of course, we have a Jack Russell. So uh-huh. he's kind of looking at that saying, hey, that looks like my little puppy brother. So he's kind of <laughs> pulling it up towards his face right now. And he's actually holding both sides of the book, which is pretty nice. 
it's kind of heavy, so he's dropping a little bit. So we're just so, going to help him along. So what you're saying is that this is a definite pull for him. This is a pull for him, for sure. I mean, he <laughs> seems very enamored with it. He's actually he's actually turning the pages on his own, which he doesn't always do with books. And he's only so, six months. Oh, my God, you have a, a freaking Einstein on your hands, yes, man. Yes, and, and he's, he's very much enjoying himself. He's got to grab that, though, or the book's going to end up on the floor. Well, seeing how I kicked it off last week, I'll have you kick it off this week. Well, I think it's only fitting, too, because I, I'm desperate here. I mean... It's two weeks in a row where I've had a drop, so I, I needed something, and and I think that I, the reason is this is a book I've tr- been trying to review for a couple weeks, and thanks to Bob at uh, Fantasy Escape for you know picking this up for me. It's Snake Eyes, Agent of Cobra from IDW, number one. It's a limited series. Now I'm going to be flat out honest. I'm going to butcher these names. Every time I review a comic, <laughs> the names are so hard. I don't. I swear I don't do this on purpose. But Mike Costa is the, is the writer. That's the easy one. Now, the art is by Paolo Come on. Villanelli. Yeah. All right, there we go. But the colors are by oh, Joanna La Fuente. Yeah. All right, All right, I'm doing good. I'm not even All saying right. who. I'm going to just stop right there. I don't care just who the speak, letters are by. All you got to do is just speak the names phonetically, and you're fine. Yeah, there we go. So I did it in my head, and we're good. Now, what's interesting is, is that it's Snake Eyes, Agent of Cobra, but it actually starts out with Destro, and he's in the back of basically a paddy wagon. They're taking him to prison. Or at least you think they're taking him to prison. And and it actually starts out where he talks about how his life kind of sucks. You know, he can't really feel anything. He tries to feel pain, but he can't. You know, right. he, he tried to heat up his arm to see if he'd feel pain, and he can't. Well, Snake, long story short, Snake Eyes breaks him out of this, of this paddy wagon and takes him back, and it turns out the Snake Eyes is working for Cobra now. Oh, wow. And Cobra has been taken over from Cobra Commander by Tomax. Oh, nice. And, of course, you know G.I. Joe 3. They're saying that Tomax and Zatox might be in the movie, Mm -hmm. and maybe that's the direction they're going to go. But Destro is trying to figure out, you know, basically, why don't we kill him and take him over and take Cobra back, and they decide not to do that. And then there's this kind of middle part of the book. It should have been Agents of Destro, really. There's a lot of Destro here where it goes through his childhood, and, and, you know, he steals apples from this orchard, and it kind of shows that he's gotten this villainry at a very young age, apparently. So is it like a re- does it read like a zero issue? It kind of does. Now, the reason that it's kind of Destro-heavy is that, now remember, Snake Eyes really doesn't talk. Right. So that was the thing I was very interested in. Okay, so how are we going to do a book with a guy that doesn't really talk? But right. they kind of, it's it's, the way the art is done is is pretty good because... Again, he's got a mask on, so it's not facial expressions, but it's like the way he tilts his head or the way he's drawn, the way he's standing. It kind of tells you all you need to know. So basically, Body language. Yeah, very much so. So they gives him a file. Uh, Destro gives him a file because he takes him away from Cobra. He gives him a file and says, I need you to track this person down. And he's going after an ex-G.I. Joe agent. Now, he actually has the Cobra seal on his blade. So he tracks down an undercover G.I. Joe agent because the Joes are in hiding now, basically. Yeah. And long story short, and I'm going to do a little bit of a spoiler here because it makes the book more interesting and it might make you actually want to pick it up more. Basically, the person he's supposed to track down is Cobra Commander's son. Okay. That's who he's being sent to track down. Doesn't say really why, but I'm getting the impression that Destro wants to try and take Cobra back from Tomax, and that's why they're going to try and track down Corporal Commander's son. So, now here's something that I'm going to throw in now. Again, this is the number one issue, so we don't know what the rest of the series is going to hold, but something tells me that's not really Snake Eyes in the in the comic. I think it's probably, my guess, 
something happened with Snake Eyes, they captured him or something, and it's Storm Shadow that's actually dressed up as Snake Eyes. Actually, they do tease in the last page that Storm Shadow will be in the next issue. Okay. So he will be in the next issue, and of course, they've been adversaries for a long time. Long time, so it'll just be very, it'll be very interesting to see where that goes because it uh, there does seem like there's something fishy going on here. Yeah, and you can't quite tell what it is. Now I do I did feel a little lost because I wasn't reading the regular GI Joe series and it, it kind of felt like this sort of tied in a little bit. Okay, so I, I did feel a little lost. I'm kind of wishing I did go back at least a couple of the issues from the previous GI Joe series, what was Rise of Cobra, and that probably would have given me a little bit more to go on mm-hmm. or you know how the takeover happened and stuff like that, but. Honestly, this is a pull for me. Oh my god, yes. The art was very good. I was very impressed. Um, it was very detailed. Very much what you would expect from something like this if you were going into it with high expectations. And it, the writing wasn't fantastic, but it was pretty darn good. And again, you're trying to do a book for a character that doesn't really talk. But the action sequences when, when they were there were were very cool. The art when they did draw Destro was very detailed, so definite pull for me. So thank you to IDW <laughs> Publishing and Mike Costa and the gang for bringing me back to the light because I was I was hope I was kind of thinking I would never end up finding a pull again. I thought I was gonna have to go back to Batman or something. Right. Well, quick thing before I get to my comic, the thing is, it's kind of interesting about this is that a lot of the comics that are coming out now and we're seeing this is focuses more on the. The antagonist, you know, we got, you know, as much as I'm not a fan of it, the Carnage, we had the Carnage comic come right. out kind of, or we had, you know, we have Sinestro, we have Magneto, we have, these ones are focusing more on the enemies, and it actually are, I've seen, and I think in some senses they're much better sellers than ones that are focused on more on the hero, because with the hero we kind of seen everything, and it's kind of like, Perfect example, going to video games for really quickly. Uh, Sonic Adventure 2 for your Dreamcast. You got to be both the good and the bad. And honestly, seeing what happens behind the scenes with the evildoers is something that very much I think is more intriguing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because you don't see that side. We're not used to that because we grew up. The way we grew up, it was hero, 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 hero. And Venom was kind of the first one that kind of broke out and, you know, kind of became the anti-hero sort of thing. You know, that was a strict villain and then became anti-hero is what I mean by that. So, and I like the fact that it's limited. I don't need a, you know, there are certain ones that are exceptions to the rule, like Magneto and Sinestro come to mind because you've enjoyed those very much. But if you're going to do this, I like that it's going to be a limited series. It's not going to be something that gets dragged out because it could get stale. So I'm glad that now, this is going to be, I think, a four-issue series. Now, here's the thing, like, you know, it's, we've mentioned, like, the limited series, like, you know, Justice Inc. that I reviewed last week, it's a limited series. But it expanded afterwards until, hey, this is what's coming up next as far as these characters. So I think what you're going to see is probably this kind of a universe. Maybe, who knows, maybe after they do Snake Eyes, you know, whatever, they can do, uh, like, a Storm Shadow comic or something like that. Or yeah, even this t- this could lead into something, and I'm thinking that that's exactly what they're going to do. But uh, it's time for my comic. So the biggest news this week, James, we'll get to this in our nerd news segment, but uh, Spider-Man came home to Marvel. Oh, yeah. So I decided to go back and do The Amazing Spider-Man number 13, Spider-Verse Part 5. Awesome. And we all know this is written by Dan Slott, who we I, we both tweeted him, and he ex- ex- acknowledged us and said, you know, hey, we, we like what you do. And it's really, I think Slott has done a great job when it comes to writing the, the series so far. Um, now, the, the art is done by uh, three people. We have Giuseppe Camicoli, uh, who did the pencils, Cam Smith did the inks, and Justin Ponser uh, did the colors. So... When I, let me just dive into the art before the plot. I get into the whole plot thing. Now, like, now the art was is pretty interesting because this deals with multiverses, and some and one of the multiverses deals with 
kind of flashbacks in the 1960s. Oh, very cool. Um, for you know, and why you ask me why? Some people be like, "Why are you saying that?" Well, because there's somebody in here who I'll get to in a moment who is the reasoning for those flashback sequences. And those flashback sequences, the way that they're drawn and colored, look like 1960s, 1970s comics. Which I love. I love it when they go back and do that. And Spidey's actually done that a couple times since they since they brought it back. And I, I very much appreciate that they've that they've done that. It's very yeah. cool. Yeah. So and then you have when they open in present day. Um, it's the art's just you know it's 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 present art day art pretty much you know it's very uh, high def it's very um, you know detailed oriented and everything else now the plot is throughout the whole Spider Verse there's this vampire esque family called the Inheritors and what they're doing is they're traveling around these multiverses and they're feasting on life essences of spider people and so number thirteen picks up where of course number twelve left off whereas. Uh, the Spider People have taken shelter from the Inheritors in what's called Earth 3145, which is kind of like a wasteland. It's kind of like a Chernobyl in a sense. I actually think we're going to hear more about these Earths when Secret Wars starts up yep. with uh, Marvel. So I wouldn't be surprised if that ends up tying in at some point. Yep. And so they're inside this bunker, and in this world, Uncle Ben is actually alive, and he's actually that world's Spider-Man. How crazy was that reveal when that happened? I, I was, think it was a couple issues before that. That's when I tweeted Slot, and I'm like, hey, I'm like, oh my god, the ending number 12, so amazing. And it turns out he was the one that got bitten by the spider because he went with Peter to the exhibit because he didn't want Peter to go alone. Um, and I'm like, this isn't the main Peter Parker. This is his world's Peter Parker he went right. with. And when he got bit, he got the powers. Peter and him uh, were, were pretty much kind of like uh, – Oracle and B- Batman, where Peter kind of did all the techie stuff. Ah, that's interesting. You know, you know, kind of all the tech stuff. Where you know, and then Peter was Peter to bring a more of a DC feel to it was was a Cisco, um, to to Uncle Ben's Flash, where he would have the suit. He made the suit for him. He made all the gadgets and the gizmos and everything else. But the thing here, here's the sad part of the story: the Green Goblin of that world blows up. Uncle Ben's home with Peter Parker and Aunt May inside. Wow. And that causes Ben Parker to give up the mask. And he takes shelter in that bunker and he tells all these different spiders and especially this world's, you know, especially the the original comic version Peter Parker's world, you know, Peter Parker's Spider-Man, this is why I gave up. I don't have a fight. He's like I've lost everything, you know, and throughout the entire comic you have the inheritors and they're just showing tearing apart different spider people and they're feasting on them and then they go back to the uncle ben stuff where it's like you know peter parker the main peter parker is like saying you told me this he's trying to get him back into the cape and the not the cape you know not the cape and the cowl but more I know what the, you mean, the mask yeah. yeah and he's saying this is why you're so great he's like how could you and, and peter's actually unleashing on this uncle ben where he's like you know the uncle ben i knew told me never to give up he said great power comes with great responsibility and you're just neglecting that you're letting people die and he's like and, and so pretty much at the end, it picks up to where Uncle Ben says, you know what, you're right. He has that moment where he's like, you know what, you're right. And he puts the mask back on. He joins the fight against the Inheritors. And the great part about the writing is, they, you know, when you're, when you're dealing with these Inheritors or, or you know, two, two different factions, it's how do I split the time? Right. And they do that really, really well. It's not overly with the spider people. There are parts like with the Inheritor where they'll show – they literally there's um, – Man spider, human spider, where 
They show the inheritors ripping him limb from limb. It's it has been pretty brutal from what I've seen. It's definitely more brutal than I remember Spidey comics usually being. So that that was definitely a little surprising. Yeah, and you know, Silk and Spider Gwen go on their little um, kind of adventure to a different realm kind of thing. It's pretty good. So this is a different pull for me. I've, I've ever since they brought back Peter Parker from the Spectacular Spider Man, or was it the Superior? Uh, yeah, Superior. I get those two mixed up all the time. Um, they've done a tremendous job. Uh, it's it's definitely a poll for me. Um, every week, I've never been disappointed with these. And that's going to do it, boys and girls. Put back those long boxes. Put the covers back on. Put them back in their plastic bags because it's, that's going to be the end for what we're reading this week. Coming up next is This Week in Geektainment. And we're going to talk about Netflix. Stay tuned. More Down and Nerdy coming up next. Grab that microwave popcorn. Make sure you have extra sodas by the couch because we're staying in for this week in Geek Tame. And it's time to binge, Nick. We're going to talk about Netflix. Oh, yeah. We're going to talk about Netflix now. The reason why we're talking about Netflix is because we're going to talk about the Daredevil trailer. And also, even though this isn't nerd news, it still applies to Netflix. The fact that they're doing a live-action Zelda uh, series. Now, let's start with the Daredevil trailer, James. I got to tell you, intense as I wanted it to be was the way it started out for me. Well, like, especially when it starts out at the confessional and that line where he says, I'm confessing for what I'm about to do. I'm like, oh, right yeah. there is what we should have had years ago that yes. we're finally going to get now. And mind you, this has an MA rating, too. Which is why getting it on Netflix was maybe, and I don't think I'm overstating this, maybe one of the smartest moves that Marvel has made. Right. And Jameson agrees. Yes, yes, he agrees. He He's like, yep, that, that was a smart move by Marvel <laughs> because this needs to be edgier. It needs to be grittier because Daredevil always has been, even in the comics, they pushed the boundaries with Daredevil. So exactly. why not translate that into your live action universe? And just the, the way it's shot, like it's very gritty, very dark. And the thing is, it's like, I, you know, people complain about the costumes, but this is the first costume he really had, you know, from that one run. And he even said, you know, Charlie Cox even said, he goes, you know, sooner or later, he's like, he's going to have his his red or black suit. Right. And I mean, what? And I mean, come on, people. Do you want a true origin or not? Oh, exactly. Do you want and, it done right or and, not? And can I just say Vincent D'Onofrio as the kingpin? Oh, the, gosh. Doesn't he? Dude, he looks the freaking part. That guy. It's just every now and then he'll get one of those roles where it's like, it couldn't be anybody else but Vincent D'Onofrio, well, but you wouldn't think of that beforehand. Well, for example, I, I just recently watched The Judge with Robert Downey Jr. and D'Onofrio plays his brother. And it, when it was shot, you could tell that D'Onofrio was getting ready for that role. Oh, yeah. Like, like he was a big dude in that, man. Now, remember, D'Onofrio is also head of security in Jurassic World as well. I know. So he's going to be playing that role. So he's got a lot of stuff in the pipeline here. But I got to tell you, the, the the few action sequences we did get from mm. from this trailer, I was a little worried about that with Charlie Cox, not going to lie. Now, I know that he's probably not doing all his own stunts. He's not Stephen Amell. But um, the, the action sequences looked really good. And I like the darkness, the grittiness. Hell's Kitchen, I think they did very very well like you said the scene is set and i think that this is going to be maybe i you know we said that marvel did tv right with agent carter but i think that this will probably be more consistent than that right now here's the thing though you can't really call this tv you know marvel tv this is more marvel at home you know what i'm saying kind of thing right but don't you think that this is kind of this is what we're transitioning towards oh yeah this is a society 
Oh, yeah. I mean, this is why you're going to see certain shows, I think, go start, start to get away from the cable, you know, from the Foxes and the NBCs and stuff and go more towards, you know, the cable route, like right. the, T- the TNTs because, and, and so on and so forth because they can do more. Right, and not only that, but I mean, think about it. As far as streaming goes, even like CBS is starting to launch. They're going to launch their own uh, online-only type channel. HBO is going to go standalone in uh, April of this year, I think it is. So, I yep. mean, there's a lot. There's transition there, and Netflix has done so well with the original series that they've done so far that you know why wouldn't Marvel want to partner up with this? And here's the interesting thing. Marvel's all, I mean, uh, Netflix has also struck deals with DC, which shows like Arrow and, you know, the exclusive deal with Gotham. Right. How cool is it that Netflix is like, you know what? We're not picking sides. We're going to do this and we're going to do this. So could we see like DC shows go to Netflix in the future and have both Marvel and Netflix sharing a network? I, I pro- Well, I think it's going to go that route. Now, what's interesting, and this is why I think it's more interesting, since you, I like that you brought that point up. We're going to see... Which shows get more streams? You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's just, I mean, yes, they go head to head on certain nights, DC and Marvel shows. However, this is going to be the first time where they're both in the same place going head to head outside of the theater. What's a little different there, though, is, is that you're talking about with Daredevil, you're going to have unique, fresh episodes and with with dc with stuff like gotham and arrow and and probably the flash as well will be on netflix oh yeah it's stuff that's already been shown this is this is a repeat so i mean there's still people that haven't watched it because there's cord cars like like you that maybe don't have hulu that want to wait for it to come on netflix so they can just power binge watch it and uh so that's the difference now if we at some point get a DC show that goes the same route and they're going to do the same thing they do with Daredevil. That's when I think it'll start to get really interesting. Now here's a question. If DC is going to go that route with Netflix, who would you like to see get their own kind of Netflix series? I'm going to go, I'm going to go first. There's two that would interest me the most. I would go Martian Manhunter or Hawkman. I was going to say Hawkman. That was my first gut reaction because I think, uh, the the uh, Thangarians would be a great visually striking show. Yeah, and you could also work Hot Girl in there too. So I mean, it's not like it's mutually exclusive here. You would only stick with one. But they have you know, and they have a War of the Worlds kind of thing in, in an arc that uh, that has run in the comics before. So they've gone to war plenty of times. It's not like there would be no precedent for that. I think Martian Manhunter would be interesting too. The world of of uh, Jeff Jeff Johns. Right, or but the John, thing is, or John Jones, or I, gosh, see now I can't remember. I think it's John right. Jones. Anyway, uh, I think that we've been waiting to explore his world for a while now, so it wouldn't be surprising to me. But you know, think of you know, you could do a female series as well. Like what? Like what? I'm trying to think of some female superheroes, like for DC. That's not Wonder Woman. You, you could do maybe a Power Girl. Oh yeah, thing. Yeah. Or, yeah. I mean, I know they're already doing Supergirl on CBS, but they've got the Harley Quinn Power Girl comic that's going to the team up comic that's going to be coming out. I don't think they're well. going to do that because Harley Quinn's already in the cinematic universe, right? But I'm saying they're giving Power Girl oh, a little right. bit more, you know, time on her own. Now, I wouldn't be surprised to see her pop up in Supergirl on CBS at some point, but don't be surprised if that happens. Or maybe instead of spinning off Firestorm on. CW, they do it on Netflix because that episode with Robbie Amell and Firestorm was the highest rated since the crossover episode with Arrow. Yeah. 
Yeah, def- definitely. So keep but, that in mind. And mind you, Daredevil, we we'll went to the Zelda story right now, but Daredevil is going to debut on Netflix on April 10th. It's coming up so fast, which it seems like it was a mile away before, and now it's like right there. Yeah. Now, the next thing we're going to get to, speaking of Netflix, is, of course, the news that broke a little while ago, actually. Zelda. They're making a Zelda show, James. How do you feel about this? Because remember, this, now remember, there hasn't been a Zelda show since 1989. That was an animated series that only ran for 13 episodes. Yeah, that was definitely very short-lived. I think that this should have happened a long time ago. I'm surprised it didn't. I'm actually glad that it didn't because I think it would have failed. I think that... I've been waiting for this. I, I, w- I would love to see Hyrule in a live-action setting, but here's the thing that worries me, and I do have total faith in Netflix. I, I, we were talking about this the other night. I have total fl- faith in Netflix and in anything that they do at this point because they've got a good track record. But right. this is a different animal now. This is a world that they are going to have to make visually striking. That is one thing that Nintendo has always wanted to do with their Zelda games. They always wanted to make... In a larger-than-life world, even in the 8-bit realm where, it's, where The Legend of Zelda kicked off to the Zelda that's going to be coming out for Wii U, they made a very big point of wanting to make the world visually striking. That's going to cost money, and that's going to make effects very big for the Zelda series. So I think they'll cast it right, because they always have, mm-hmm. but making the world of Hyrule visually striking I think is going to be a very important thing that they're going to have to conquer. Now, here's the thing. You, know, you mentioned Hyrule, and what I want to go back to is Thor, okay? Now, you look at how they did uh, Asgard, and now I doubt Hyrule. I don't know what kind of budget Netflix is going to be working with because that's what it's going to come down to. Right. But I think we're going to see kind – of, you know, they said they want to do the Game of Thrones route before family audience. So I think we're going to see more kind of like practical stuff, I think. And what's good is, and I liked that 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 statement says it all to me, Game of Thrones with a family atmosphere. Because my first worry was, when I heard about this, was don't make it dark. Yeah. Don't try and go the legit Game of Thrones route, because that's not what this is at all. Or don't make it really a shot for shot of the game. Right, don't do that either. Just make it what it is, and tell a story. Don't try and do anything out of the ordinary to make it like Game of Thrones. We've become a copycat society because it's hard to make anything original anymore because so much stuff has been done. Right. So I don't want to see Game of Thrones Zelda-esque. I want to have a little bit more of a lighthearted atmosphere, kind of like DC did with The Flash. They already had the the dark, the gritty arrow, so they decided to make Flash a little more comical and lighthearted but still have the serious moments. I think that that's what you need to do with The Legend of Zelda, and I think that this has been a long... Think about it. Zelda's probably the second most recognizable Nintendo property. I mean, I know that people would argue Pokemon, Right. But I think that, you know, for us hardcore old school gamers, it's always been Super Mario Brothers and The Legend of Zelda, as far as Nintendo goes, for the most memorable properties. So I think that this has been... The animated series was never going to work. No. So I understand why that didn't last. This has a chance to really last, and we get a chance to maybe tell a really good story here. Yeah, now here's the thing, too. Remember, you have those... We talked about the story of was last week or a couple weeks ago that they're going to be reprinting the uh, Legend of Zelda comics. Yes, yes. So it's so, like they're going all in on Zelda this year. Well, not well. I brought that up because, A, I wonder if Bob or Fantascape is going to get those. And, B, I also wondered, this, you know, this is more canon, not really canon, but more 
stuff they can go off instead of just saying, okay, we just have the games to build a world off of, you know, we have these, these books and stuff like that. And, Mm -hmm. you know, Hey, because there, it hasn't really been a lot of Zelda stuff other than those, that one book series, um, and the games and such, they can just, they can afford to go off Canon. Right. That's, that's one of the reasons you, you can do this because you can actually tell your own story. There's certain things that you're going to have to do, right? You're going to have to, you know, you're going to have to cast Link properly. You're going to have to have that probably a little bit, you know, naivety in the beginning because, you know, he was a young kid when this all started. Right. So you're going to have to have that in the beginning. Unless, well, I mean, they could go with a more experienced Link, too. I don't know how they want it, what route they want to go. So we'll see. But, I mean, you're right. There's not a lot of precedent here. Now, here's a question. Last question before we move on to our next segment, James. Uh, so, Link. Who would you cast as Link? Oh, gosh. See, it depends on so much on how young they want to go. Right. So it's very difficult. I'm not, I don't know a whole lot of young, young actors. I, th- I think what they're going to do is this I think they're going to go, um, they're probably going to go somewhere maybe in their 20s to late teens. I mean, do and- you go the teenage route? <sighs> well, I think they're going to go. I think they're gonna. I don't think they're gonna be. It's gonna be like young, young Link. I think they'll have that. Like, like they'll have an origin in the beginning, right? But I think they're gonna focus more on like. Link. So you think they're gonna cast like a boyhood Link and yes. a more mature Link? Yes. Okay, I, think, I could see. I, that. I think we're gonna see how Link got to be Link. I think we're gonna kind of see. Okay, it's like they're gonna kind of take the Arrow route, where granted, Stephen Mel is pretty much the same age for the most part in his flashbacks as he is when he is the Arrow. I think we're going to see kind of that thing where Link is going on this quest to save Zelda. Right. But we're going to have those flashbacks of how he became Link and how he got to be on this journey. I could see that. I mean, it's almost... So you're saying along the same lines of what Marvel's looking at with the Spider-Man casting. Yes. Like the same age group. Yes. I could see that. Yeah, I I can definitely, definitely see that. What about the kid from uh, from Fury then? One of the kids that's been... uh, That movie with Brad Pitt. What was his name? Logan, uh, Logan Lehrman, I believe. Yeah, why, why not somebody that would be about the right age, wouldn't it? Well, about that age, I don't know about him personally because he's rumored to be in the Spider-Man thing. We'll get to that in the next segment. Say but... he doesn't say he doesn't get that though. <sighs> yeah, I could see him because he's done the Percy Jackson stuff, so he kind of I mean, has yeah, experience he's got that in experience. that realm. Yeah, so I mean, he's not a shoe in for Spider-Man by any stretch of the imagination. So. If if he doesn't get that, Netflix is, you know, they've breeded stars here. I mean, you got guys like Kevin Spacey that are doing Netflix series. I think that uh, it's safe to say that they can get pretty much anybody they want. Well, well, I mean, Kevin Spacey was already a star before Netflix series, but I see what you're saying, though. It kind of... they, can get, they can get names. And oh, they, yeah. I mean, Kevin Spacey kind of resurrected himself on House of Cards. Mm-hmm. You know, he he's always been a great actor, but he wasn't in the greatest movies recently until House of Cards. And all of a sudden, Kevin Spacey's cool again. You know, yeah. you know what else is cool? Nerd news. We got a ton of it, starting with the big Spidey news from this past week. And it's next on Down and Nerdy. Well, it's that time again, boys and girls. We go around the interwebs, literally, because it's time for what, James? Nerd, Nerd news. And the biggest news, the prodigal son. Has returned home, well, really, for the summer, we'll say. He, he's kind of got a little bit of a timeshare. That's exactly the way I would describe it, as a timeshare, because, yep, Sony and Marvel Studios announced that they have they are bringing Spider-Man into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And not only that, but we will get 
a new Spider-Man film standalone in 2017 as well. Yeah, so under the new deal, Spider-Man, he's going to first appear in in Civil War, pretty much. It's been confirmed, you know, stated that he's going to be in Civil War, and it makes sense because he was the main part, one of the main people in that arc. What's funny, because we were talking about it before, how are they going to be able to do Civil War without Spider-Man? Well, now that I don't have to worry about it. Now, I know I also said before, and I need to clarify this for people that listen to the show all the time. I said we need to stop talking about Marvel and Sony striking a deal. And I said it was going to cost all this money. Okay, so I was wrong about the money part, but... I was right about the other thing. I just didn't think it would happen this soon. I said, we're not going to talk about it until there's something to talk about. Well, now there is a shit ton of stuff to talk about. Well, exactly. Because the thing is, is like you mentioned, you know, he's going to get his own Sony film. They're pretty much rebooting it again on July 28, 2017. But remember, they're putting him in Civil War. Now, that releases in 2016 um, as well. I believe Black Panther as well, who is also said to have a major role in the film as well. So they had – if their deal was going to get done, it had to get done now because, oh, yeah. again, it's – it's Civil War is a year away from being released. You know what I'm saying? Like they got to get this shit done now. They, they had to pretty much – you know, I, I, my guess is they probably had a script already written, but now they got to rewrite the script. I think they, they had a plan Spider-Man. A, plan B. Oh, yeah. I think Definitely. that's what they did. Now here's the interesting thing. Now Amy Pascal, remember there was a, that story that she stepped down from Sony. Mm-hmm. But it says in the story that she's going to be one of the co-producers alongside Kevin Feige. That is a little bit weird because, I mean, either she's there or she's not. You know? Right. I mean, you can't have it both well, ways, Sony. Well, the thing is, if she's stepping down, as the stories have said, you know, they've announced that she's going to be stepping down, does that mean Feige is in charge of everything? You know what I'm saying? Like, they can put somebody in to replace her to partner up with, with, with Kevin Feige over at Marvel? Or is, or is they going to say, hey, yeah. They're going to have to have maybe a liaison of some sort. Yeah. At the very least, because, I mean, they're going to be doing... Sony's still going to be in charge of their own Spider-Man films. That's why we were saying this is kind of like a timeshare for Spidey. And they're still going to go ahead with Sinister Six, by the way. We're yeah. not still, still not sure about Venom now, and some of the other ones, yeah, but... Now, here's the thing. A Sinister Six film, my guess is they say it's still in development, but I think it's one of those pipe dreams. I think it's like, hey, we got to, like... The thing is, it's like you had the Sam Raimi versions; those were pretty good until the third one. Mm-hmm. Then you had the Amazing Spider-Man, which weren't so well, even though it made like four billion dollars. The second one did, or whatever, or the, or the franchise did so far. But the thing is, those weren't really well received. So now you got and Andrew Garfield's out, so you're gonna cast a new Spider-Man. Uh, you know, and and I understand people are saying, you know, what about Miles Morales? Well, the thing is, no, if, no, they can't because. Stop it. Well, no, it's not, now. It's not saying I don't want to see a Miles Morales Spider-Man, but because they're doing Civil War, they can't do Miles Morales. And that's think, exactly why, and, and that's why. And also, I mean, I've heard it on a couple of podcasts of how big of a risk that is. Because remember, you're rebooting this for the third time. Yep. And you know, while Miles Morales is a is a is a cool character, remember, like I said, Peter Parker was part of Civil War, not Miles Morales, and that's why it's going to be Peter Parker. Now, here's the thing: Sony's going to have that they're going to handle the financing, they're going to handle distribution. And here's the thing, though, James, they're also going to have final say. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, all the Marvel fans are getting so excited about this, and, and I am too. I'm not, I'm not being Debbie Downer here. I'm very excited about this, and I think it's about friggin' time. But the deal is, this is still Sony's character, people. 
Yeah. They are not going to let Marvel do whatever the hell they want. Now, even though, you know, Marvel may have made smarter decisions with a lot of their characters and the way their cinematic universe is going, but that doesn't mean Sony's going to agree with the stuff that Marvel might necessarily want to do. So even though this is a good thing, because yes, he's finally going to appear alongside some of the characters he should have been appearing with all along, it's not necessarily going to happen the way you want it to. And my guess is Sony's going to have last choice at casting as well. Oh, well, here's the thing. I'm glad you brought up the casting because a number of people have been rumored for Of course, we talked about Logan Lerman in the last segment who co-starred in Sony's own Fury movie with uh, Brad Pitt. Uh, but also being included are uh, Teen Wolf's Dylan O'Brien, who's also in the Maze Runner. And, you know, I think a couple other people, but other than that, but I think Logan Lerman, I think, is in the front running right now because he has, you know, the, the, the Sony tie-in, I'll say. I actually think Dylan O'Brien's going to be the guy. You think? I just, I have no reason for that at all. It's just a gut feeling. I mean, I look, and they, you know, obviously they've photoshopped them both in the suit already, so I've seen it. Right. I just get Peter Parker more from Dylan O'Brien. Really? I, I just see more Peter. It's because Peter Parker. Peter Parker was not supposed to be the good-looking guy. Well, know? no, but, but here's the thing, though. Go back. Here's what I want you to do. Okay, watch um, Perks of Being a Wallflower. Watch Logan Learman's character, Charlie. Mm-hmm. He is pretty much Peter Parker in that okay, movie. Okay, see, I've not seen that, so you'd know better than I would. Yeah, uh, I have it on Blu-ray, so I'll put it in your mailbox at work. I've actually got. I just get that vibe that it's gonna be Dylan O'Brien and the Maze Runner. I mean, maybe that's maybe there's a conflict there too because there's the Maze Runner is a book series, correct? So there'll probably be multiple. movies. Yeah, and they had and they had a movie came out. And I don't know how. I think they didn't do that well in the theaters. It did I know okay. It was okay, but it wasn't the greatest. I actually think they'd both be pretty good. Yeah, I just, I, I just have a gut feeling. But, I mean, they're going to go with the high school route again, and whatever, you know, it's 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 whatever. Um, but, no, and the thing is, so, okay, you got the casting thing, the rumors there, Spider-Man, you got, you know, kind of the outliers of, like, what's going to happen with the money and distribution and everything else. So, the question is, what happens to Marvel's, you know, was it Phase 4 we're in now or whatever? Oh, well, I think we're still technically in Phase 3. Okay. I, don't, I don't know. I've kind of lost track, but what you're what you're alluding to is, you know, there's a lot of movies that were already planning in the pipeline. So Marvel announced pretty much within an hour of the Spider-Man news that they're moving the release dates for four of their films. So here's yep. the deal: we're talking about Thor Ragnarok, which is going to now be released November third, twenty seventeen. Mm-hmm. Black Panther is going to be moved to July sixth of twenty eighteen. Captain Marvel will also be in twenty eighteen. That on November second. And rounding out with the Inhumans in July of 2019. Now, here's the deal. They've already kind of got the Inhumans ball rolling on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Right. Here we are in 2015. So now you're telling me that it's going to be four years later now? Four years of development of Inhumans? Do we really need that much for something that most of us aren't even that excited about in the first place. Will ages of shield make four more years. I don't know. That's another good question. Are they even going to last that long? I don't know. Does Marvel even want it to last that long? But I think there's a legitimate concern here. And, and the elephant in the room of the excitement is, does this kind of put a boot on some of the, I'm going to say lesser characters only because they are compared to Spider-Man. So people don't kill me when I say that captain Marvel is a lesser character than Spider-Man. Cause guess what? She is. Right. So does this kind of, is this almost to the detriment of some of these other characters that were maybe going to get a spotlight shown on them now that Spidey's here? Not so much. 
No, and here's why. I think because, again, yeah, you're moving Thor and you're moving Captain Marvel and Grant Thor is not really a smaller character, but technically, if you look back at Marvel's original can, he was seen more as a tier two, tier three guy. Well, he's he's established himself in the, in the right. previous in the, two movies anyway. Right. I think that he stands on his own too. Right, feet. okay, so... But the thing is, you still have Doctor Strange that's going to be released on time, you know, and, and so the thing is, here's the thing, this is Marvel's, like I said, the prodigal son, like, this yeah. is Marvel, like, this is Marvel's, literally, we did a story about this months ago, how, how Spider-Man is Marvel's most profitable character, so I think, yeah, hey, when we have a chance to put our most profitable character under our actual Marvel Studios logo, yeah, we're actually going to say, you know what, sorry, smaller heroes or sar- smaller characters, we're going to go with our big guy. Because remember, if you look at the whole canon, this is the first tier one hero yep. Marvel finally has since giving the rights away. Yeah, so, and, and it was stupid for them to give them away in the first place, but, you know, you do what you got to do. Well, they weren't making money, they were losing money, that's right, why they exactly. sold them off. You do what you got to do, but I, I think that everybody's going to make money now. That's why oh, yeah. Sony did this. Sony did this because they know now everybody's going to have a nice little piece of the pie. Now, I didn't think it was going to happen. I legitimately did not think that this was going to happen. But at the same time, maybe they wised up and maybe this whole turmoil with that's going on with Sony, they're like, you know what? We need something that's going to give us positive press. So we need to do this then. Well, if you think about it, James Franco and Seth Rogen are the reason why Spider-Man came back, if you think about it. That is pretty nuts. And James Franco, a little bit of a tie-in there, right? Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit Harry Osborn there. So uh, it it kind of, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, there's any Twilight Zone music that needs to be played or anything. (laughs) But um, it's it's just a little weird. But I think we've got to be happy about this. Part of me thinks, and I'm not, and this is totally like, I'm not saying that this is what they were, was was happening behind closed doors. Part of me thinks Marvel kind of wanted this whole Sony hack to happen in a sense. Yeah, they they definitely didn't do anything to help stop it. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying that that's what they did because, you know, I'm not going to get a thing in my mailbox saying, hey, we're suing you for libel or slander or whatever. No, it's just how else do you think they could have really, you know, because Sony wasn't going to give the rights away or at least lend them Spider-Man, you know what I'm saying, without something happening. And it didn't cost them a dime either. Let's no. point that out. It did not cost them anything. And now, again, going back to the release dates and stuff, now the Infinity Wars Part 1 and 2 are still on track for May May uh, 4th, 2018 and May 3rd, 2019. Right. So, you know, but here's the thing, though. I saw this. So, wait a minute. You're telling me that Infinity War Part 2, okay, is going to be... Released May 3rd, 2019. So you're telling me the last movie you're releasing is The Inhumans, which comes out July 12th? Ouch. Ouch. I just realized that. Now, again, if they go with the Infinity story that they that they just ran right. a couple years ago, that comic series that they just ran, The Inhumans are a big part of that at the end. It kind of makes sense if they're going to do that. If okay. they're going to do that. Because the all, like the big finish has a lot to do with something that happens to the Inhumans. I don't want to give it away to anybody that hasn't read the series or anything yet. If you have and you know what I'm talking about, you know, let me know what you think. Facebook.com/slash Down and Nerdy, or go pick up the issues yourself of Bob's of Fantasy Escape Comics and Cards in Virginia Beach and see what I'm talking about. So it makes sense. But again, it's the same. It's like when the NFL used to do the Pro Bowl after the Super Bowl. Right. It's like really. Yeah. You're going to round it all out and then, hey, let's play a meaningless Pro Bowl All-Star <laughs> game? Are you kidding me? That's yeah, why right? they moved it. So that's a legitimate point that you just made. Yeah, so 
I know, we'll see how it happens now. That's going to do it for Spider-Man. I mean, we're all happy that he's back again. I think, honestly, even though Sony has final say, this last thing I'm say about it before we move on to our next story. I think when they have final say, I think Kevin Feige has the final say, really. I think he has, I think he has that. You know what? Uh, I know he had this agreement, but uh, whose movies have been more better? Yeah, Sony's not stupid. Yeah. They're going to use the tools at their disposal. Yeah. I think what they'll say is, I think Kevin Feige will have the actual final say, but Sony will write it off as, oh, well, we had the final say, so that's why, you know, whatever. Once this is cast, we'll know. Yeah. We'll know right away. If it was a smart choice, then we'll know what happened. Yeah. So our next story, James, deals with Constantine and the fact that we talk about Spider-Man coming back. Well, we talk about Constantine moving, pack up his uh, trinkets and the mill house and moving to another channel, possibly. That's right. It looks like the petty dabbler himself might actually be on the move to the sci-fi network coming up for the next season. Now, if you'd been, if you're caught up on Constantine, you know that right after the last episode, they build the next episode as the season finale. Yes. Remember, so, they only got 13 instead of 22 episodes. So first of all, that's a good sign though, because if they were, th- if they were going to ax it, they would have said it was the series finale. So the, the hope is still there. Now the save Constantine movement, which I did say it was stupid at first, but now that we're getting towards the end here and the renewals that came out and Constantine wasn't in there. Now it's serious. It wasn't serious in episode four. It's serious now. So they've actually started a petition at saveconstantine.com. It's actually kind of taken social media by storm. There's over 17,000 fans that have actually signed up for it. And they're, you know, they posted snail mail and email addresses to all these people from NBC and they want to bombard them and stuff like that. I think NBC wants to save this show. And I think, and also going back to the whole email stuff, they actually put up guidelines for what to make a successful and memorable letter. Which is like an example like, hey, don't post any threats. Don't yeah. say, well, I'm not going to watch. Not like physical threats, but like, I'm not going to watch NBC anymore. Like, don't do that. Just say, hey, move it somewhere else. And the thing is, I would actually prefer that they move this because to sci-fi. Because here's the thing. This shows, no matter what type of show you put on, Friday nights at 8 o'clock or 10 o'clock or whatever, it's not going to do well. No, it doesn't matter. I mean, even Grimm. When Grimm came out and Grimm did pretty well in the beginning, and it still does pretty well, but it doesn't do that well because ratings for anything aren't good on Fridays. That's why Fridays are littered with reality programming. And here's my thing, too. Now, if it moves to sci-fi, which it most likely will, because remember, that's also NBC's cable cousin. And, of course, Krypton's going to be on sci-fi. Exactly my point. Um, and now they're going to distribute it under a different name. They're going to call it Hellblazer. I think that's what's going to benefit it most. Would you hear the name Constantine James? Cause I know you're a big fan of the, the Keanu Reeves Constantine movie, correct? Oh yeah. Big fan. Yeah. When I'm serious, like when you hear the name Constantine, the first thing you think of is the can in my mind before the show really was the Keanu Reeves movie. That steaming pile of Keanu Reeves movie. Yes. And so, uh, the, name, the fact you're going to name it Hellblazer helps it out a lot because you're rebranding well, it and you're moving it and you're continuing it. So people are – I think it's going to help out a lot more. And it, and, it, and it lends itself to the years and years and years of history in the Hellblazer comics <laughs> that you uh, trendy nerds that actually still listen to the show after episode two need to go back and realize that, hey, guess what? Hellblazer and Constantine were around a hell of a lot longer than Supernatural, so quit trying to compare the two. Yeah, right. It's, it's not even a comparison, and it's and by the way, Hellblazer is way better. 
But I think that the only the only concern I have with this right. is budgetary constraints. Right, because it's not a big network anymore. Right. So, I mean, they, they've done a very good job with the effects so far, the effects that they've had to use. Um, and also the casting. Are we going to have to ditch some people from the cast to save money? That's the only thing that concerns me about moving into sci-fi. I don't think budget. so. I don't think so because the casting, I mean, did you really know who Matt Ryan was before he got casted? Did you know who everybody else on the show was before they got casted in a sense? Nope. My point exactly. So hopefully they're able to keep. I mean, as long, I think as long as you keep Zed and Chaz, I think you'll be okay. Keep, I think the band's gonna be kept together because remember this. This isn't like they're going from like NBC to like something that's not NBC. They're going to its cousin pretty much. Well, so, and they want to do. And Sci-Fi has really tried to rebrand itself too. Let's let's keep that in mind. They're starting to get. I mean, they they were the Goofy Network for a while, I, showing I, all these you know Super Croc versus Dino Gator and shit like that. Yeah. They were doing that. <laughs> So now they're trying to get a little bit more serious again with stuff like Dominion and Ascension. I still, I still think they're fucking morons for saying we're going to change our name from SCI-FI to SYFI because we're cool and trendy like that. Oh, that was that was incredibly stupid, and that's like that was the that was the beginning of them becoming the dumb network. But it's I kind, think it's kind of like when somebody doesn't doesn't know the difference between there and there and two and two. Right, exactly. But I, th- I think they're trying to write that wrong now. Now remember, there's precedent for this because there was a show called Merlin that was on NBC yep. when it started out. Ratings didn't again, I think it was a Friday night show as a matter of fact. The ratings weren't where NBC would have liked it, so they moved it. And all of a sudden, it got what another five, six seasons, something like that. Something like that, yeah. So it was, and it was that was based on a BBC show. So maybe that's a little bit different. But this is not the end of Constantine if they move it to sci-fi. No, it's not. It's that's not, my point. Yeah, it's not going to be the end. It's going to carry on, and so and it's going to carry on. And plus, like I said, you go back, go to Bob's or pick up some comics and read up on it. Now, speaking about comics, James, the next story deals about. Netflix for comics. Now, a popular digital subscription service called Scribed is giving users access to more than 10,000 titles from publishers such as Marvel, IDW, Archie Comics, Top Shelf, Top Cow, Valiant, and Dynamite. And also, that print brings the library itself to more than 1 million titles. Now, here's the thing. It's part of an $8.99 flat monthly fee, which users can now move beyond Scribed's pros and audiobooks offerings to read comics. You know, so they're going to have stuff like League of Extreme Ordinary, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, uh, March Book One of the Afterlife with Archie, and Ultimate Spider-Man. Now, here's a couple questions to you. What does this mean for local shops? And two, do you think that they're going to be doing the local, like, like not local, but the new comics each week? Or do you think they're going to be kind of like wait six months and get these books that came out, you know, kind of like a Netflix thing. So it's being called, quote, unquote, Netflix for comics. Do you think they're going to kind of wait you know what I'm saying? It's like Sinestro yeah. will be on there, you know, in July or something like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think that that's exactly what they'll do because th- then that kind of lessens the damage for the uh, local shops a little bit. I'm actually surprised that Marvel wanted to be a part of this at all with their Marvel Unlimited thing that they've got going on. Right. It's just very interesting that they would even want to do something else. I think it's interesting that DC's not doing it, period. Um, I actually think kind of good for them because I think this is bad for the local shops. Right. I don't. I think that you can't. This is not understated. We've become that society now. We want to binge read. We want to binge watch. It's all binge, binge, binge. And sometimes it's hard to wait that month for the next issue of Batman to come out because you want to know what's happening in the end game arc. It's hard to find out 
you know, it's hard to wait for that next issue of Magneto because, you know, there might be a cliffhanger there. So this is this is going to be very this is going to be a big blow to the local shops, I think, as it's one more digital way to get comics. But now you can actually get them in bulk for a flat rate. Well, here's the thing, though. We had the Marvel. You mentioned the Marvel thing they have, where you can, you know, it has the weeklies and the month. So it's 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 current. So you're not having to wait for stuff for that are coming out. But from Marvel, that's like nine ninety nine, ten bucks a month. Here's the thing: I don't think it's going to hurt the local shops as much as we think. I think it's going to hurt from a back issue standpoint because people are going to go into the long boxes and buy those dollar things. They're like, they're just going to pay. Hey, I'm going to pay eight ninety nine and get all the back issues I pretty much want right mm-hmm. now. Um, but I think as far as if you're somebody like us who do a show every week or even just read comics every week and you got to go to your local shop and get those new releases because, you know, with the whole streaming thing and having to wait for stuff, we're also becoming kind of a very impatient uh, community as well in, in, in society. So people want their stuff now. I don't, I think when it comes to certain things, like the whole, for example, the whole Spider-Verse, it's so good. Yeah. We talked, you know, we talked about it and what we're reading. I wouldn't wait six months to read it. I would want to go now yeah. and read and catch up on it if I haven't started yet and get all the stuff I can. No, and that's true. And I think that there is some of that going on. I just and I don't for a second think that every Marvel title is going to be available on here either. No. They're going to be very selective. You're not going to get your top line titles. No, you're on not. On this thing, first of all, because they're not going to c- compete with their own Ultimate series. Nope. Their own Ultimate service, excuse me. And they're not going to want to put their mainline titles for a flat rate like that. That's going to somebody else. I think that this works a little bit better for the indies. To right. be able to catch up on back issues to maybe want to start some of the new series that they've got coming out in your local shops. Yeah. And the one thing that I think is good is that us and Ards are pretty loyal. Yeah. To our characters, but also to our local shops. If you find yeah. one that you like, nothing's really going to tear you away from there, I don't think. No. And, and, and you want to know who I think, the more I think about this now, you know who I think this is more set for? I think this is more set for people like my father. My father read comics growing up, so my, my mother. And it's, my dad read Archie comics growing up. My mom read like Spider Man stuff like that, you know. So I can see where I got my nerddom from, pretty much. But oh, yeah. this is for like my my parents who like, hey, let's go back. I want to go back and read stuff like Archie and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? I think it's well, more yeah. for people like that who want to just reminisce and and go back. I don't think it's for like I said. I don't think it's for comic book nerds like us who constantly are reading new stuff each week. I think it's more for people who are like of the older, probably in the 30s to 50s and stuff like that, who grew up on comics. That's true, but and, it's it's still a dangerous precedent. Oh, it's still a dangerous precedent. Yeah, it's the thing that's it's, it's, it's the thing it's that more, gets me. It's more competition. Because like when Amazon bought Comicsology, that's going to make Comicsology more of a monster going forward. Now you've got this. It's like it's one more thing that's trying to give people reasons to not support a local shop. Right, and plus, didn't Marvel say that they want that sooner or later they're actually thinking about just going straight, just digital route too? Yeah, we did that story months ago. I don't know if it's going to have any traction going forward, but I mean, like you said, there's people like you who don't like clutter that might want to go that route. I and I know that I'm not speaking for you personally. I know you're still going to go to to Bob's Fantasy of course. to get your books, but there are people that don't want that clutter. You know. Well, There's the people that, you know, their their wives like, get all those comics out of here. And, you know, they've got to get the, you know, well, honey, I got a downside. <laughs> so I guess I'll just do this kind what? of thing. Well, that's the thing. Like, I have two I have two bookshelves in my apartment. I have two in my living room. I have a big one. I have a small one. The big one, it's got five shelves on it, which is pretty much set for comic books. And the first shelf itself is almost filled up. 
Yeah. And I got my other one, which has my hardcover stuff on it, you know, like, you know, some encyclopedias I have on there and other, other stuff. in there. Yeah. Um, and it's going to get sooner or later. We're like, hey, if I get a girlfriend or whatever, or, and I got to move or something, or I need a bigger space or whatever. And it's going to get to that point where, you know, hey, I got to get, you know, get rid of some, some series. I don't want to have to do that. You know, if there's a way to like, if, if there's a way to pretty much do like with photos, you know what I'm saying? Like scan them and put them in like some sort of a stick or something like that, like physical copies mm-hmm. or whatever with comic books. That's one thing. Cause it's like, I look at it now, I look at all the comics I've spent money on. I'm like, Oh my God, I'm going to have to either well, sell those or give those away or something. That's why I do like the fact that Marvel has the digital copies that come with a lot of their comics. Cause I'll buy the print version. Yeah. And what I do is I put the code in for the digital copy. And to me, that's my cloud. That's my backup. Yeah. You know, if anything happens to my print versions of my comics or if I ever have to, you know, get rid of some, I've got the, I've always got that digital as a backup, but I still bought it at a local shop. Now DC does the same thing, but you've got to buy a combo pack and you can't just grab it right off the shelf. I'm sure DC will probably move to do more towards what Marvel's doing now with their digital copies and stuff, but that that's the, to me that's the way to go. Yeah. You know, give me the option to pay an extra dollar, 50 cents or whatever to have that digital backup copy. Yeah. Cause then oh, the money, exactly. money, the money still goes to your local shop. Exactly. Exactly. And then our final story, James, this is something that I'm really pissed about. I'll put it this way. Um, so people who don't know what swatting is, okay. It's, it's pretty much what it is, is if you're playing a game online, all right, you're playing in like a room with a bunch of people and you're doing so well against somebody or somebody doesn't like you, what they will do, they will literally call the local police department or just police in general and say that there's a hostage situation where you live. And the SWAT team will show up and they will point guns at you and treat it as a hostage situation. And that's what happens to this one guy. This one guy's name is Jason Peters. He's a U.S. Air Force vet who hangs out on Twitch. And he plays one of these guys you know, we talked about before like on our PewDiePie episode who plays video games you know, and stuff like that um, and, and makes videos of him playing games. Well, he was a victim of a, victim of a swatting hoax uh, last week during which his home was stormed by the police and reportedly pointed guns at his brothers. Now, we have his reaction on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Don I'm not going to read it out because you have to watch it in order to really get the full feeling. And he was streaming as Koopa Troopa 787, and he had around 60,000 people watching him play RuneScape when the raid took place. Now, here's the thing. This is my big bitch. Fucking gamers. This is why I don't play games on fucking line. Because to me, swatting is attempted. It should be charged as attempted murder slash domestic terrorism. Absolutely. Because the thing is, if you're going to be that much of a fucking asshole and put somebody's ri- life at risk, especially in Peter's case, his family at risk, because he said in his thing, like they pointed guns at my little brother, and he's ten. So if you're going to do this. Fuck you! Like you should. And the thing is, right now the maximum penalty is five years in prison, and for domestic terrorism, you can get twenty-five to life in prison. Yeah. I think every form of swatting. They did catch. They did catch the guy who did um, swat him, by the way, uh, which is a good thing. And my thing is, any t- attempt at swatting should be maximum twenty-five to life in prison. And before you think that Nick's going overboard with this. Think about this for a second. What if somebody had an- somebody answered that door and they were holding like a hairdryer in their hand? The cops mistake it for a weapon, a gun, and they shoot that person. Right. 
That could actually happen. Stuff gets mistaken for weapons all the time. And not to the cops' defense, they don't know what's going on inside. So they have to treat every situation like it's serious. But this is this is just something that's got to stop. And who in their right mind even does this? How messed up do you need to be in the head to pull this kind of crap? I just don't understand how it ever got to this point. Right. Now, I've I've played games online before and people, you know, if you're if you're beating their ass, they just log off and they're gone. Yeah. That's one thing. But this is I don't even understand why people do this. Why do you it's a game. Right. Why do you take it so seriously? It's like, come on. Do we didn't do this kind of crap when we were kids. Right. You might scream and yell at your friend or your brother when they're beating your ass in Madden or something. Right. But you'd never call the cops on them and try and get them arrested. What is what is happening to the I, world that we live in right now? I, I don't know, but this has angered me a lot because, like I said, it's stupid. I mean, it, it, like for anybody to go that far, that far over a game, I'm sorry, but it's not right. It's, it's the ultimate dick move. It is. It really is. You know, I mean, I look at this, and it frustrates me, because like I said, this, this is why I don't play games online anymore. This it's is one of the reasons it. why. It's not worth it. It's really not worth it. You know, it's not worth the death threats and the fact you're beating somebody badly, you know, and they're like, oh, you know, rage quitting is one thing. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's what happens in a lot of sports games. You know, you beat somebody up by a certain thing. I know a lot of people, when they start playing online, if they have like a headset or whatever, or it's kind of... The unwritten rule where you in like for example like in football where you have what's called the twenty one rule. So if you call so pretty much if you score twenty one straight points and the other person doesn't score, then the game's pretty much over. Yeah. Kind of thing. But you know, that's understanding. But when it gets to like these types of games, these role playing games, everything else, it's just God, you guys take this way too far. Way too far. Yeah, I mean and, and you know, getting hacking into people's accounts and, and stealing their stuff, that's one thing. But this and, I, and I'm not condoning any of it, but this is this is to a level that stuff sh- just should never be taken to. Right. And that is why stu- crazy stuff has been happening in the news and stuff lately because stupid shit like this is allowed to go on because, like you said, the punishment is not severe enough. And this could re- – and, and there's a lot of – you know, I don't want to get too deep into the whole politics or anything like you said earlier, but there's a lot of stuff that's been going on in the world lately – we're things, you know, we're a little on edge as a yeah. society. The last thing we need is something like this to cause an actual death. And then all of a sudden, what happens? The finger gets pointed at the gaming community for no reason because we're all going to get lumped in together. You're right. You're right. So, I mean, like I said, it's just, it's just don't do it, guys. Like, seriously, like, be more mature. Please don't put anybody else's lives at risk for over something stupid as a, as a game. Yeah, it's, it's, not, a it's game. not worth it. Because remember, if you do this, you're going to prison. Because they've, nine times out of ten, they've caught pretty much everybody that's done this. But that's going to do it for Nerd News. Coming up next, it's our main topic. We're going to talk about imaginations and why they're important to have. Stay tuned. More Down Nerdy coming up next. Well, I think part of being a nerd and living in the world that we do, as kids, we always had a very vivid and deep imagination, and I think that that's one of the reasons we carried that on into adulthood to talk about the things that we do today and love the things that we do today. So this week, we're going to talk about imagination in general, and actually, Nick, we decided to do this because of a story that came up, I think it was last week or a couple yeah, of weeks ago. it was last week, and the story is, there's a, uh, it was in Texas, um, 
there is a school called Kermit Elementary School, and these officials called in a threat pretty much, or called in a threat, when a nine-year-old student named Aiden Stewart brought in the ring from Lord of the Rings to school, and in a playful act of make-believe, he told a classmate he could make him, quote, disappear with it. And Aiden claimed he could put the ring on his friend's hand and make him invisible like Bilbo Baggins. And the school suspended him for the third time. Um, the other couple of times, I could get the other, the one other time was because he said something that some people would deem uh, in today's world uh, politically incorrect. And the other one was he brought in this book, which is called the Big Book of Knowledge. So, I brought, so he just, so fucking suspended him for bringing in a ring that doesn't do shit. And a fucking book called Book of Knowledge. So apparently we're not allowed to expand our minds outside of the state-set curriculum that is being set for our kids nowadays. Yeah. it's Everything's standardized now, and it's it bothers me that you're not allowed to expand your mind anymore. You're not allowed to ask questions anymore. You're not. And I mean, come on, really, it's a ring, guys. Yeah. Come on. I know that there's some scary stuff that's happened in schools over the years, but... But mind you, well, let me remind you, though. He said that he would make him disappear like Bilbo Baggins. He didn't say, I'll make you disappear like I'm going to kill you, because that's what happens in the fucking book. Yes. He puts the ring on, and he disappears. And guess what? The kid oh. either read the book or saw the Hobbit movies that have come out. Either way... Or, re- or just saw Lord of the Rings. Yeah, know? I mean, come on, guys. I mean, how much do we have to police every little thing because what you're doing is you're sending a message to this kid that he's not allowed to have an imagination period yeah he's not because if he does if he tries to think outside the box which some of the greatest things that have ever happened in our society and in our world have been from people that think outside the box well well, and that's the thing is a lot of um you know a lot of things i know like this girl i know she uh is works at a school and the school is one of those schools where the it's not really set by a certain standard. It's it's more the kids learn what the kids want to learn in a sense, and that, and we're seeing more of those schools pop up where the kids choose what they want to learn about and stuff like that. And 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 you know and here's the thing is again a lot of thinking nowadays is being outside the box. It's breaking through those glass ceilings of conversation. So you're telling this kid who brings a ring in, who do, which can't do anything. My friend, I had a friend in high school who had the exact same ring, and it just doesn't. It doesn't do anything. It's just a ring. I'm sorry. Yeah. It, it's a fantasy book. It doesn't even fantasy, light up, guys. Fantasy books cannot come true unless you're sleeping or or heavily heavily on drugs. Yeah, I, I just don't understand it. And and what we're doing is, you know how. We always say we say a lot that things aren't as good now, entertainment wise. As they were when we were younger. Right. There are certain things that are better, but there are certain things that are not. And I think that part of that has to do with the fact that we're not allowed to have imaginations anymore. We're we're, this, the, we're starting to, I mean, when I was a kid, I could dream of whatever I wanted to be. You know, you know, you, you hung the sheet off of your back and you were Batman or Superman or something like that. Yeah. So whatever you need to do to make that happen, you've got to have an imagination. Well, guess what? If kids keep getting punished and chastised for trying to think of ways to, you know, live in a little bit of a fantasy world, especially when they're younger, they're going to stop doing that at a young age and they're going to become drones instead of creative human beings. 
Right. Exactly. And then there's another story that also happened uh, a few days ago, actually. A kid was suspended from another school for writing names in a Death Note notebook. Now, for people who don't know, Death Note is pretty much, you know, it's anime, and it's pretty much what it is, is um, there's this kid who has a notebook, and whoever writes, he writes these names in it, and whoever's names he writes, the people end up dying, and the kid got in trouble for that as well. See, that's a little different. That's that's what I was about to say. That's a little bit different. I mean, it's it's still kind of ridiculous. But it, but still though, but, but that is, that's that's a little when, different. When you get when you get certain ways of of writing people's names in a notebook, into especially what's going on in today's society, that bears that's, watching. That's that bears a red flag. Yeah, I mean, so there's your contrast right there. There's the difference, and that's why I wanted to bring it up because I wanted that contrast. So so I mean, put the and you know what. I don't know if they vetted this kid or not. The kid that got suspended for the Lord of the Rings. I don't know. You know, I don't know what context he said it in. I don't know. You know, I don't I don't have all those details. I really hope well, that they brought well, this kid in. Well, it was quoted that he said he was going to make him invisible like Bilbo Baggins. Right. No, but I we don't know the tone. Oh, right. You know, if he said it like an evil henchman or something, that's one thing. But still, though. It's, it's still ridiculous. But, but at the same time, I really hope they sat down and talked to this kid to find out what kind of a kid he is. Is he a kid with a vivid imagination? Or is he a kid that, you know, maybe you need to keep your eye on? Because there is a difference there. And if you talk to kids, you know. Yeah. Or at least you should know. But you cannot punish kids for living in a reality that's being presented to them in television or in books or in right. movies, you. I mean, we all got wrapped up in things when we were kids, and you know, we turned we all, out fine. For example, like my mom always told me the story all the time when Superman came out. Okay, and it was very popular. My uncle, who was her youngest brother, one of her youngest brothers, watched Superman, and what happened? My mom walks into the bedroom one day, and they had a bunk bed, and my uncle David jumped off the top bunk because he thought he could fly like Superman. Luckily, my mom caught him. Yeah. Now, I mean, don't be stupid. Yeah, don't be you stupid. Know, that's 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 different. You don't want to do stuff. I mean, we all did stuff like but still, that. Still, it's, it's it's building that imagination. You know, like, hey, what if I could fly? What if I could do this? What if I could do that? You know, again, it's it's and again, it's kind of that nerd thing too, because it's could it kind of stretch to or how far does it stretch to putting the nerd back inside the box? Yeah, and, and I don't think you ever want to do that because think about it. If there was no if the imagination was being ramped down like it seems to be now, back in the day. Stan Lee would have never come up with the Fantastic Four or right. Spider Man, especially Spider Man. Yeah, Spider and and there was and you know what? We also need to consider is imagination can be used as a form of escape. Yep. for a world that scares the hell out of us, Look or at, that we don't really you know want to be a part of. A perfect example um, for for comics, Kelvin and Hobbes. You want know, to talk about imagination and escape? Yeah. You know, stuff like that. You know, when we were little, man, like, I remember when I was younger. When I was like eight or nine years old, man, my friends and I, my dad used to have this ranch house and uh, in Syracuse. And um, the back, it was, it had, you know, it was a rather sized backyard. It was in the city, but it had this row of trees and bushes that you can actually go, that we could actually fit behind. We'd literally walk under there and pretend we were dinosaurs, dude. Yeah. Like, we would pretend, like, we'd walk like them and make sounds like them and just, we did that all the time. It was fun. You know, that's the thing. Like, you know, my parents made me read an hour a day every day because they wanted me to, A, know how to read and B, they wanted my imagination to grow. And that's the thing is, like, you know, when I look back at my childhood, it's like, 
You know, I it's, I had this one thing in, in fifth grade. Um, there was this poem that my teacher, she printed out and she uh, handed it out to us. And she said, okay, you can, guys can color it. And so the flowers, so, so one of the, the things that was a flower. I took a blue crayon and made the flower blue. Mm. And she goes to me, what is literally, what is this? There's no such thing as a blue flower. Yeah, see, that bugs me. Now, one of the things that when I was in school, when I was in first grade, our teacher would make us write stories and right. draw pictures. So, you, so it's so almost like making a comic book kind so, of thing. So wait, were you writing the uh, the uh, uh, Fifty Shades of Grey for nerds back then? Actually, what I did was I wrote a lot of Transformers stories because that was the that was about, the thing about Optimus and Megatron. Uh, you know. Finger cuffing with Bumblebee or whomever? No, definitely not. That's that's a lot of twisted metal that I that I was <laughs> be a part of. Um, but but what was funny was is the ones that I guess the teacher deemed good. They would actually hard bind them and put them out for the rest of the class to read. Now, in an odd way, it was a way for you to compete with your fellow students, which I think in the first grade was a very interesting right. choice. But I mean, it, there was a sense of pride there oh, when yeah. something that you wrote I got. Could- a, a quote unquote published. Oh yeah, I guess I can see it now. And then Optimus spoke to spoke to Bumblebee and said, "Let me show you my Megatron. And I will make your star scream." Oh gosh, that's by just, James by James Witham. May, maybe we should have maybe we should have done something to your imagination. That's, <laughs> that's a little disturbing. <laughs> no, but I mean, it's it's stuff like that. You know, you got to allow kids to expand their minds and do stuff like that. But when they do, you ask them to do that. You can't then punish them for doing what you ask them to do. Now we're not, again, we're not condoning people jumping off of, you know, high places no. <laughs> or, you know, crafting their own batarangs and throwing it in their fellow classmates or anything like that. <laughs> what we're doing is we're, and you be a parent. Yeah. That's the other thing. Be a parent. You, you allow your child to have an imagination, but at the same time, let them know what's safe and what's not. Like when my son's growing up yeah. and he starts getting to that age where he's going to want to mimic his favorite characters, <laughs> like especially, you know, Superman or something like that or Spider-Man. I'm going to say, or well, f- you know, son, you can swing from something, but if you swing too high and you fall, you're going to hurt yourself. Yes. But and wait, but wait you cannot actually shoot webs out of your wrist either. No, but here's the thing, though. He likes the flash. So what would it be like? Don't run too fast or you run to a wall. Don't run into the street. Yes. That's one thing. Don't <laughs> yes. run into the street would be a big one for me. But <laughs> exactly. You just let your kids have their imaginations, but let them know that certain things aren't safe to do. Like, you know, kids that watch professional wrestling. We all did at one point. Oh, or yeah. You know, and we all were stupid and we all wrestled with our friends. But at the same time, you had to know, you know, real things can happen. Bad things can happen. So you just tell your kids when they see it. Yeah, that might look cool on TV, but it's all choreographed. It's all staged. You know, people can get really hurt. This is not real. Yeah. So you got to part of, you know, the very definition of imagination is bringing things to life that aren't real. Right. So you have to ingrain that, that this is not reality. And as parents and as teachers, we also need to realize this is not real life. No. Nobody's disappearing because they put a ring on, okay? It's not happening. Well, I mean, your sex life might disappear if you put a ring on, but it's a whole other story. Oh, that that has bowl of feelings written all over (laughs) there. That has just got it written all over right there. 
Just say, I'm just saying. That's the only, the only and thing I will also here. say, speak for yourself, gentlemen. Yes, because as we all know, and James tells us all the time, <sighs> yeah, you and your wife have. I don't even need to say it. No, you, you no. When you walk in, because people don't know, James and I work in the same same place. When I see James walking to work, he's got a big smile on his face. I'm like, yeah, I can tell what happened. You know that you know that there's a scene. I think it was in Friends where where Ross is going down the street and the singing in the rain is playing and oh, he's yeah. swinging oh, off of oh, yeah. like telephone poles and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, it's like or like 500 days of summer when Hall Notes starts playing and Joseph yeah. was just walking down the street like yeah. It's like that, you know. The, the lights go out and then in the next scene you're on the beach holding hands with ice cream. <laughs> That's what happens. Yeah. Just and in case you, you've never known boys and girls. And, and then you get in the bedroom and you're holding them whips and change. You're like, Daddy, what's the safe word? You're like, the safe word is pasta or, or Superman. <laughs> oh, pasta. <laughs> I don't know. That was the first word that came to my head. I oh, don't know why. It's very al dente. It, oh, Jesus. <laughs> this is what happens when you allow people to have an imagination. This is exactly what happens. But it's not scary. I mean, you've got to no. let you've got to let if because otherwise people aren't going to be different. Yes. You know, you're going to have the same people over and over and over. And how boring is that going to be? You don't want to be a boring person. But there's a difference between having an imagination and being a sociopath. Yes. Very so, much so. you know, know the difference. And you it's pretty easy to tell. Because, well, there's between being a sociopath and, and imagination. In imagination, you're digging up stories. You're digging up characters. Being a sociopath, you're digging up and burying dead hookers. Yeah, so, I mean, you've got... And writing people's names in a death note notebook. Yes, so, or, or or cutting a swastika in the middle of your head. There's just certain things that should be red flags, not quoting a movie, unless you're quoting Scarface or, or something. Or doing what they did in Fifty Shades of Grey, where he pulls out her tampon and proceeds to try to have sex with her. So, I mean... That fucking happens in the book. Understand what we're talking about here. Yes, Allow your children's minds to wander. You can do that and still keep their feet grounded in reality. Imagination is just an escape. It's a way to have fun. Here's the thing, though. Like, like one of my favorite imagination things was, of course, when I was younger, even now, I'm not going to be ashamed. I watched The Magic School Bus because it was such an awesome show. Mm-hmm. So every time when I was in school, we he'd say, okay, we're going on a field trip. I literally imagined the bus would be like, okay, maybe this the field today, maybe this field trip's the field trip where the bus transforms to like a spaceship and we go like to Mars or the moon and see what's like we discussed gravity mm-hmm. or something like that, you know? But of course the bus didn't change. We just ended up going to like a park or something like that and having like a picnic and that was really it. I mean, even when I was younger and I used to get my superpowers figures at Toys R Us, every time my my mom would drive me home and any time I had a character with a cape on oh, of it, course, you're talking you're, about this. You're hanging out the window. And, Did you, know, you drop one one the, time? No, the cape flew off and I freaked oh, the cape out. Flew off. Yeah, that was, that was bad. I'm sorry, Mom. I know that we almost wrecked the car there, but uh, yeah, that cape was, was never to be seen again. It's on a New Hampshire highway somewhere probably still, <laughs> but... I mean, that's just the kind of stuff that you do because, you know, we've talked about this at length. You know, we've all been bullied. We've all been teased. And sometimes the only way to not turn into a violent psychopath and to to find that release is to escape into a world of imagination. So it's not just being able to expand your mind and being able to be a creative and different person is sometimes it's it's a way to cope. With well, something they, that you don't really understand how to deal with when you're younger. Well, for me, there's two ways you can view imagination. 
You can view it as an enclosed dark alley where nothing really, where there's no light, or you can experience it and imagine it as the Willy Wonka Chocolate Factory where there's millions of rooms of different things going on and everything is possible and mm-hmm. girls are turning to blueberries and little, you know, orange men are rolling her down to the juicing room. I actually think it's, it's, and, and I want to talk about the parents again. I think it's very important for the parents to be involved in their kid's imagination. Like if you see your kid with the laundry basket on his head running through the living room, my first question is going to be, uh, what you doing there, son? <laughs> and maybe he's going to say, you know, I'm, I'm, Darth, I'm, I'm Darth, Darth Vader. Vader. Yeah. So then you say, oh, well, what are you doing? Ask questions to your kids. Find yeah. out where their heads are at in their imagination. My dad. Then that way you know if you've got a creative kid or a crazy one. <laughs> yeah. My, there's a picture I have in my apartment, and it's when I was like two or three years old, and my mom had actually gave it to me. Uh, it was me, and I was, re- I was literally in a Batman unit costume I had, but I had like blue jeans and like a sweater on underneath, mm-hmm. and I was like the blue-collar Batman for most part, you know, I was the uh, the Batman the construction yard needed, not the one it deserved. You were Bruce, you're a Bruce Wayne from the neck down, pretty much. <laughs> and uh, and so, but she would literally say, "What's going on, Batman?" And I'd be walking around the the, the house with it on, and I'd and, and it'd be hollering, be long over. She's like, you know, instead of saying Nicholas, it's July, put the Batman costume away. She's like, "Oh, hey, Batman, what's up?" You know, and it was just like one of those things, man. And that's why, like that's why I love my parents, man, because it just grew into that. And it's just like, it's supportive. Like, you know, like, like for example, let me run through a list of Halloween costumes that I wore that my mom actually, one of my mom actually made. So, you know, I was uh, like, of course the, the power Rangers, she bought those at a store, but I remember being like 10 years old. She made me a sub zero costume for Mortal yeah. Kombat. Yeah, there you go. You know, instead of saying, oh, this game's violent, I was like, no, this my son likes this character. He thinks he's cool. Literally, not trying to use a pun. I didn't go to the Witham School for puns for this episode. but I, w- I wouldn't have approved that one anyway. No. Uh, but she said, you know, I'm going to make him this costume because he wants it. Yeah. He wants to be his character. And lo and behold, I was. You know, and that's the thing is like, you know, all my books I read, you know, I read like Casper books and stuff like that and picture books. And my parents were literally like my mom. She, the, the first book series she got, she gave me um, that didn't have any pictures in it was Goosebumps. And yeah. the first book I got that I read that had no pictures in it was The Werewolf of Fever Swamp. And since then, my mom's okay, we're going to go get you Goosebumps books every week as long as you read them. And I read the first, I, the first time I read a Goosebumps book, I finished it in a night. Yeah, I remember reading a book, and I was never a big reader growing up, I, but I would read, I, anytime I read something, it really interested me. I remember reading a book called The Indian in the Cupboard. Oh, I had the movie. Yeah, and basically, if you don't know what the story is, it's about a, it's about a boy who you put, he puts his, action figures and his toys in this chest and when he closes the door and locks it and opens it back up they come to life it was pretty much like toy story except the kid was in the room yeah and he was actually aware of what was going on and one of them was was an indian of course and that's how it kind of all got started and there was i think there was a couple of different there, uh books was in a, the series there was there was well the one with the indian covered there was also a cowboy as well right exactly so there was a whole i think he did army man as, as yep. well at one point and uh, like, picture and like Ni- dinosaurs and stuff like that too it was, picture night at the museum but with little tiny figures well, yeah and a child 
Yeah. It's kind of very similar to that. But Night at the, Night the Museum with a bunch of Owen Wilson's cowboy characters and those little things running around. Yes, exactly. But, I mean, that's the kind of stuff that, you know, it fuels your imagination because then you start to wonder, well, you know, what if I put my Justice League in the yes! cabinet and they came to no, life? Kind here's of the thing. Okay, so for those of us, I don't know if you had this, but I had the Indian in the cupboard on VHS. And what was cool about it was it had, it was a, it had a dual cover mm-hmm. where the – one cover, of course, was the, like you know the regular poster cover and had the description on the back. You flip that over, it was the cupboard. Yep. So what I did was literally took a figure, put it in the VHS box, flipped the, you know because I had the, I flipped it to the cupboard thing, the cupboard side. Though it didn't turn into anything alive, still it was just that kind of thing of like maybe today's the day it'll happen, yeah, you know, what or if? something like that. What um, if? Yeah, and it was the same thing when I saw Toy Story, man. I had a playroom. It had a bunch of toys in it. Close the door. I leaped my ear up to the keyhole. Yeah. And would be like, do I hear anything going on? Do I hear anything going on? You know, kind of a thing. And it would just be amazing. Yeah, I mean, th- these are the kind of things that will go away if we keep punishing our kids for thinking outside the box or wanting to act out scenes in their favorite movies. Like you said, your mom made you a Sub-Zero costume because you love that character, but you didn't go to school the next day and try to rip somebody's spine out because you <laughs> no. weren't a lunatic. you got to allow kids to, you know, and do it at certain ages. You know, certain ages you introduce them to certain things. Like, it's not like when Jameson turns two, we're going to sit let's sit down and watch Constantine, son. Let's, no, that's not going to happen. Let's, let's sit down and watch Hellraiser. I mean, that's just... That's not going to happen. You introduce your kids to things when you think they're ready for it. And as a parent, you will know when your kid is ready for certain things. So, you know, just be smart about it. He'll never be ready for Powerpuff Girls, though. No, he never will because he screams every time it comes on. So so daddy doesn't even make that an option anymore. (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, that's the thing. You got to have your kids be kids, but to a certain point, you know, you don't don't want them to, to be reckless. But like I said... You know, embrace them having imagination. You know, I think today, and today, especially in today's society, I think a lot of parents kind of like, you know, they have a certain thing of like, okay, you can't be this, you can't be that because of a certain thing. Like for example, like I always wanted to be an actor, right? But my mom told me, she said, Nicholas, I know you want to be an actor. And this when I was young. She's like, but I don't think you're going to make it as an actor because you have one arm and there's not a lot of actors that get cast who look like you. So you got to focus on something else. So from a career aspect, you got to kind of do that. But yeah, from the imagination standpoint, tell them like, you know, the sky's the limit in a sense, but let them know as they get older, like, hey, there's certain things that might not happen and you have to have a plan B. But as far as like an imagination and things come to life and whatever, hey, whatever, you know, let it go. Just whatever happens, happens. You know, you want to do whatever, let them do whatever. You always want to encourage your kids to be whatever they want to be. And that's, and that, and that's the point. Yeah. You do still want to keep their feet grounded in reality, but you always want to encourage them to always shoot for that, you know, shoot for that brass ring. And part of that is having a vivid imagination, because if you've got 20 drones walking into a job interview saying the same thing over and over and over again, you get that one person that walks in and it makes, and they make you go, huh? You know, I hadn't heard anything like that before. This person's really different. And being, and here's a perfect way to round it out. Being different is not a bad thing. Yeah. Because us as nerds have been different our entire lives. So we need to start teaching our kids as we start having them. Being different is not a bad thing. And part of that is having a vivid imagination. So go dream of whatever the hell you want to dream. Exactly. You know, that's the thing. So, I mean, 
like I said, imagination is important to have, folks. Let your kids expand it and just, you know, like I said, there are certain, you know, there might be certain warning signs, like I said, with the whole death note thing. So you got to keep an eye out for that. But for the most part, a lot of the stuff is harmless. You know what I'm saying? Let them be kids and let them be kids. But that's going to do it for this week's podcast, though. Again, don't forget, we have our 50th episode live broadcast of Dave & Buster's in Virginia Beach coming up in a couple of weeks, James. Yeah, and I wanted to give a congratulations to Ken of Virginia Beach, who knew what our secret word was, Aquaman, last week, sent us a message, and yep, you won the two passes to Dave & Buster's of Virginia Beach, the, the two gaming coupons, I should say. So we'll have those for you at the event. You can also... We'll give you the option of picking them up at Fantasy Escape Comics and Cards of Virginia Beach. It's on Aragona Boulevard. If you'd like to go that route, you can go see Bob and pick yours up there. We'll get we'll get together with you and let you know what's going on. We've had plenty of winners, and we've got more giveaways to come as we lead up to the event. Yeah, exactly. So, And don't forget, we're also on Facebook.com slash Don Nerdy. Again, we have a event page for the Dave and Buster's uh, live show. And like I said, we have people that are RSVPing, but like I said, sometimes when you go on event pages and you don't see certain RSVPs, does not mean that people are not going. Right, exactly. Because remember what happened at the first Tidewater Comic Con? They had a few hundred RSVPs and a few thousand people showed up. And speaking of Tidewater Comic Con, Mike Federale from Topwater Comic Con is going to be there to talk about the two-day show coming up in May. And don't forget to check out the Mega Nerd Garage Sale. This podcast is released on a Friday. It's going to be Saturday, Valentine's Day, February the 14th. All kinds of great nerd gear and cheap, let me tell you. Exactly. So you're going to be able to get a lot of really great comics and stuff dirt cheap if you go to the Mega Nerd Garage Sale. Go to the Tidewater Comic Con Facebook page to get more information on that. Exactly. And, uh, but again, and you can also reach us on Twitter as well. I'm at Merc with one arm. You can also reach us at DownerNerdy757. Send us your uh, fan questions as well. We're trying to get some guests on the show. We're actually having a couple of guys and people who are actually interested in coming on, James. I'm not going to say who, um, but we do have some interest among some people. And uh, Where else can they send us some questions, James? They can also email us, downandnerdypodcast at gmail.com. You can also tweet me at James Ace with them. That's W-I-T-H-A-M. And, you know, we just love getting your fan questions, and we can't wait to do the Great Nerd Debate. For our 50th episode, if you want to be part of the debate, if you're going to be at the event, send us your ideas for topics as well. And, of course, let us know, hey, I want to be one of the debaters because Dave & Buster is going to provide some prizes for those people who win the debates, too. Keep that in mind. Exactly. But that's going to do it, nerds and geeks. And uh, with that being said, I'm going to give you the advice I always give you at the end of every podcast, which is <gasps> practice safe comic book reading. Always bag and board your comics.